0: you're listening to Accounted For, the Canadian podcast that explores the intangibles of every career. I'm your host, Daniel Lee. Hey everyone, happy Wednesday. I've been sick for the uh, past week, so my voice is not as great, so apologies there. (laughs) It's this weird Toronto winter that's spanning all the way into March, unfortunately. This podcast is brought to you by OMD Ventures, my platform focused on human capital investing. So uh, go on the website, check out weekly articles on redefining the status quo in work and life, as well as my daily learnings on becoming healthy, wealthy, and wise. Check it all out at oldmandan.com and remember to subscribe to show your support and be part of the community. Also, please help the podcast and friends you love by telling one friend this week about Accounted For Make a Difference in Your Friend's Life. Also, something I am doing uh, that I recently created is that it would really help me improve the podcast and the overall OMD Ventures platform is to learn who you, my listeners, are. I made a survey that I would really appreciate if you filled out. It should take no more than five minutes of your time, and you can remain anonymous as well. Uh, Please make the time to head head on over to www.oldmandan.com slash podcasts, so podcasts with an S. And yeah, fill out the survey. It would really help me in really understanding who my listeners are and what you folks might want more of, and I can constantly try to build out and iterate on the product as still a solopreneur. And so without further ado, today's podcast guest is Raphael Wong, the Director of Strategic Initiatives at ThoughtWire. On top of his role at ThoughtWire, Raf is the founder of MyTechni.io. That's spelled M dot It's a company with a mission to create the tools to help you succeed in what matters most in your life. He is also the host of a monthly podcast called The Canvas Series, where he explores creating systems for success with his guests. I met Raph through our past podcast guest, Lukey from episode 23, who thought Raph and I would have a really fun conversation. And we did just that on the podcast. We just jived so much on human optimization and just thinking about creating systems to make ourselves more effective. So there's a bit of a nerd out in terms of that element. Um, But in this episode, we generally just we bounce around on how Raf was able to build the role he wanted at Thoughtwire when he just first joined as a consultant to now becoming a director of strategic initiatives kind of a position he created for himself and also why he felt he left consulting too soon back when he was at PwC and what led him to create MyTechnie what it's like to just build out a, fo- a system just completely focused on his own curiosity and just much more I had a lot of fun talking to Raf, and I really hope you guys will find value out of this conversation as well. So without further ado, here's my chat with Raf. Hey everyone, welcome back to Accounted For. Today on the podcast, we have Raphael Wong, the Director of Strategic Initiatives at ThoughtWire. Hey Raphael, thanks for coming on the podcast.
1: Thank you for having me.
0: Yeah, and the... For our guests who are not familiar with Thoughtwire, could you explain to them what the company is and what it really does? Yeah, so Thoughtwire is a high
1: growth technology company based in Toronto. And you know, effectively what we do is we create applications for hospitals and buildings to improve general operations. And what, you know, what I mean by that is how do we enable the people, the systems, and the devices uh, inside these built environments to work in a more coordinated and orchestrated fashion to create real economic outcomes so to give an example in hospitals We've created applications that allows doctors and nurses and other care providers to work with the different um, devices and health systems inside the hospital to say, you know to address a patient's needs before they deteriorate and Enter into a code blue, which is a cardiac arrest, right? so we're effectively creating an application to get people to work together to save lives In the context of buildings, it's really how can people inside the building, both the tenants and building operators, use technology and all the things around it to create a better experience, right? So you walk in, the lighting, the temperature, everything's adjusted to uh, your particular needs and preferences. We also, you know, give the building operator managers the ability to... Um, you know, address safety concerns like a lockdown or to uh, turn off energy, uh, like lighting to to save energy, right? Like when, you know, like when you look around downtown Toronto um, at night, you see all of these lights on in all these buildings. And you have to wonder, like, how much, you know, who's actually in these buildings at this time? And I would bet odds are there's no one in there. So why are these lights still on? Uh, How much energy is it consuming? And that's both from an economic problem as well as from an environmental problem. So that's what, you know, that's what really ThoughtWare does.
0: Okay. And so it, from, from what I'm understanding, it seems like the business model is kind of like similar to like a consultancy where you have pe- companies that come to you with a problem and you practically try to create a solution for them. It's not really more like a, you know, out-of-box solution. It's more customizable, uh, it
1: seems. Uh, so I'd say over the last year, we've definitely shifted as a business model towards an, a product-led um, application approach. So in the past, we had our core platform and we had certain templates and solutions. And we do a lot of um, services work to customize and configure um, to the customer's unique needs. You know, as we continue to scale as an organization, and that's really been over the last... Uh, you know just over 12 months we've created you know very specific products so we have three specific products right now in hospitals and two specific products in buildings and you know we can configure them to a certain degree but you know like it is what it is and you know we're trying to have you know, more specific solutions so that it allows us to scale much um you know, much faster
0: okay and i'm just trying to wrap my head around just trying to actually visualize how this kind of product would look like but is it mainly just like, you're creating software that you implement inside the existing systems of, a, like, a client? Is that how it re- really works?
1: Yeah. So, the um, you know, we create software, and it could be either mobile or desktop. And effectively, this sits on top of those systems that we integrate with, right? So, say, if I'm a tenant, for example, and I, and I walk into a building, I can use the ThoughtWire app, and I can see, okay, so this is the... Um, the temperature right now in the zone, this is the level of lighting, and then I can adjust it up or down depending on what those, um, you know, preferences are. And then from a building operator perspective, I can see um, all the uh, usage data for all the different systems in one place. And, and, you know, while that sounds very obvious, right, especially as a consumer and consumer tech, we're used to seeing everything all in one place and it kind of makes sense. But especially, but like in the enterprise world, you know, to find out, you know, what is your usage pattern in lighting, to find out that, you know, if this, um, if, if this particular light bulb or HVAC um, element is broken, where is it? something as something as simple as that is often not readily available. You have to go back to the floor plans, you have to ask certain engineers, no one knows where anything is, or how to access certain things. And especially in, you know, where we're heading right now, a lot of the people who retain this knowledge about how to operate building systems, they're approaching retirement, right? And this new wave of, I would say, employees coming up, um, you know, they didn't grow up with how to use a BAS system. They didn't grow up how to use an HVAC system. So our technology, you know, simplifies that. We bring, we aggregate the information together. We we put it in, into a very simplified uh, user interface, and then we give people ability to to com- um you know send commands and controls into these systems without having to go into you know very specific um you know complex um uh, and you know, side systems.
0: Got it. And it, it, you know, it's funny because like we, we we were introduced to each other by a mutual friend, Lukey, who was a past podcast guest unaccounted for, and he was telling me about how oh yeah, Raph's a very systematic guy. I think you like talking to him, and as you're talking about thought Warrior, yeah, it seems like it's probably creating a lot of different systems. Um, have you always been a systematic guy? Like even, ever since like a child, like were you all about you know making things efficient, finding the fastest way to get to places?
1: Uh, not necessarily. No, I'd say growing up, I I kind of just had the um, a go with the flow kind of mentality. I think when I really developed a sense for systems, whether it's processes or use of tooling or you know engaging different people, and environment around me, I think that really began when I started to. Um, in university, it was really how do I juggle all these different things together? And then that naturally led me down a career management consulting, which I think further pushed me to, you know, double down on being systematic on, you know, being methodical and being very intentional with a methodology and thought process and how to create predictable outcomes. And then consulting helped me double down on that. And then since then, through my whole career journey, everything I've done has really been around, you know, how to be systematic so that I can, you know i um, organize
0: information and get outputs and yeah and we'll and um, we also talked about how earlier you um, just before the, the recording itself that you love adventure and you know, we were talking about my trip to Southeast Asia and East Asia and how you're planning on going back to Vietnam and also like, hitting up Cambodia as well uh, was adventure part of your life very early on the sense of adventure the sense of exploring
1: um, I would say yes and no. So, uh, no, in a sense that, like, I didn't grow up traveling. It wasn't something I always did. I didn't grow up with that sense of, you know, I want to go to different places. Or I'm um, even within like Toronto. It wasn't something that was um innate in me. But I think in the sense of adventure, in in that, I've always been curious. I've always wanted to try different things. You know, growing up, you know, I wasn't. Um, I didn't just play one sport and go deep on it for 10 years. I think I played practically every sport. Uh, If you look at my Spotify list, I like all types of music. I've read all types of books. I watch all different types of TVs and movies and whatnot. And for me, variety, I think, has been for sure an um, innate characteristic. And that sense and desire for variety, for novelty, for trying new things, I think that was what you know, drove me down consulting by definition mm. because of um, the nature of that industry. And, and everything I've done since has always been driven by that sense of trying new things, right? I don't think I've really hesitated on that. Um, I think if anything, one area that I need to do better in is to go more deep and, and building depth. I've always had a lot of breadth in something that I've um, in, um, innately just genuinely enjoyed.
0: Yeah, and I think if we look at your career path from a high level... Um, if someone looked at your LinkedIn profile it would look at okay so you went to UFT, you did business there and then you went to PwC to do consulting there for about four years and then now you've been at for close to around four years as well right mm-hmm. and I think so when I was in business school I didn't know what consulting was until I got interviews for consulting and then that's when I started looking up okay so this is what consulting is and so that's kind of what happened serendipitously for me but for you um, as someone who's also because I was also very curious. And so I it was more, I was sort of hit with consulting and thinking, oh, wow, I'm a really curious person. And this will allow me to kind of hit up all the curious factors that I have. But how was that during like for you when you were in university? Did you kind of hit upon it randomly or did you kind of know about it ahead of time? And you said that that consulting thing, that that's going to fit my personality, That's what I'm going to do.
1: Yeah. Um, So to look backwards, let's you know go back to I'd say even grade eight. I remember in grade eight yearbook, take me back, yes. um, You know there was one question in a grade eight yearbook that said something about you know what do you want to do when you grow up? And so I guess we're like what twelve or thirteen years old at the time, and you know people said different things. Like they want to be an author, they want to be a hockey player. I said a businessman. I think since a very young age there's something about these tall towers, the hustle and bustle, the scale of things that that always had an appeal to me and I don't know why and it may have been materialistically driven right? like I won't deny that um, but there was something about the business world that always intrigued me so I went to University of Toronto at uh, Rotman Commerce and did the business program there and then at first I was like you know what like let's do accounting right so actually I think what most people don't know is that I actually started thinking that I was gonna be an accountant and a CA and a CFO at some point in my life right and what what sorry i'm sorry to interrupt but why accounting um you know what um, it was just one that seemed obvious i think and there was no particular reason i think my aunt was in accounting so that was kind of i was like you know what let's pick that horse and we'll run with it and again it was just it was a sense of novelty that attracted me there was no sense of why like at that point in my life I, I wasn't really pulled by why i didn't really i wasn't really intentional i was like oh you know what there's something new i'm, I'm gonna chase it so i did and then in my first year i was like you know what i want to get an internship at one of these big firms so i actually did my first term at pwc in audit and i was like you know what and and i remember everyone saying no like you know most people if they're lucky they get their internship in their are 30 or so on and so forth i was like no Like I'm gonna do what I can right now to get that job, and I did. So I got my um, internship, PWC audit, um, and I was I was like 19 years old or something like that. I was super young. Is this
0: like second year then? Or yeah, yeah.
1: yeah, I just tried a second year, and um, so I did that for a summer. And I was like, you know what, this is not for me. And I didn't know what was for me, but I knew that this was not for me. And I said, no, I can't do this. And, and I remember everyone going, like, oh, my gosh, like, you know, like, you're so ungrateful. You had this amazing opportunity. You're so young. Why would you, you know, like, why would you not want this? Like, you know, suck it up. It's a good job. It's a good industry. It's rec- and, like, all of that baggage, as you can imagine, both from family, friends, and just, like, the university community. And I was like, no, I, 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 I just can't do it. It's just not for me so i started to network i built relationships in other aspects of the firm and then i found my way into consulting and i was like okay this sounds kind of interesting and just so we're clear i had no idea what consulting was and then so then in in school i joined the consulting association to learn more about it and then fast forward a couple of years I, I started my career in consulting after university
0: got it and You still did consulting at PwC, though, so were you constantly keeping contact with the PwC folks and trying to find a way to return back to PwC as a consultant? Was that the intention?
1: Yeah, that was always something that I thought about just because I already had relationships there and like I like the firm, I like the variety. And I think at the time what they offered was a very generalist type program. You come in and you try different aspects of consultants, so different competencies, whether it's like strategy or operations or finance or technology or risk and I was like, you know what? Again, it fed to my a desire for variety I'm like this is perfect I don't gotta pick a horse I can just go and try different things and that's what I did in consulting I think a lot of folks you know what um, some folks at least they opted for the path of like you know they just wanted to do financial services or they just wanted to do retail or supply chain so they picked one specific industry or one specific uh, competency and they stuck with that i was like no you know and i think walking in like you know, it's probably worth to set the context i walked in with the intention that i want to learn as much about business as possible so that i can start my own company and run a company one day back to that graded ambition of being a quote unquote businessman without knowing what that actually meant at the time so i did everything from strategy to operations you know, supply chain process improvement technology risk management like the whole spectrum i think i did like I, you know somewhere between like seven to ten different industries so I, I played that whole matrix and I didn't specialize in one area I kind of just did a bunch of everything and you know and we can talk about some of the pros and cons around that but that was always been my focus like that's been my strategy I think some people don't necessarily agree with that again back to the whole nature of a lot of people push for depth I went for breath and I tried a lot of things and I think you know now looking back in hindsight it was the best decision I made and, and it's definitely played well to a my unique personality and B my my holistic career strategy.
0: Yeah, and I think the the big thing there that I would like the audience to kind of pay attention to is the intention behind why you're doing what you do, and that's something that I can definitely relate with because and I've talked about this before in my past uh, podcast as well. But I I too had a very generalist um, kind of consulting resume, and that was the intention I wanted because. I, like you I was an audit I stayed a little longer and uh, but obviously I I faced the same backlash of people saying you're crazy why would you leave something like this but I specialized deep so I knew what it meant to go really deep into something because I only did investment banks as a client for like three busy seasons and when going to consulting I wanted to do the exact opposite because it didn't meet my personality that's when I knew um, because I didn't have you know the earlier foresight at a younger age to understand that oh, I'm a very curious person I need more breadth and depth and but when i went to consulting uh and so i'd love to hear your perspective as well on the pro and con like i got a lot of pushback for trying to be a generalist um most i've had senior leadership people at the consulting firm telling me to rewrite my goals because they said your goals are wrong for our firm and you have to specialize and i would tell back saying no i'm not going to rewrite my goals that's your opinion. I don't really care. And so it caused a lot of strife between me and some people in the leadership, and some people who actually cared about my growth said, "No, that's yeah. If that's what you want to do, you should do it." So, it became a very comfortable situation for fifty percent of the people, and very uncomfortable for fifty percent of the people. How how was that during like for you? Actually, trying to navigate that and stay true to what you're trying to do, but at the same time, fight that bureaucratic political nature.
1: Yeah. So, I mean, to start, um, you know a lot of people gave that pushback. I'd say it, for me, it wasn't a 50-50 split. It was probably like a 95-5 split, right? And, um, um, you know, some of my closest mentors, the people who gave me advice on people who I looked up to, pointed me down this path. And, you know, they would say like, Raf, you're entering a point where, you know, you want to converge and, you know, be specialized in one area, you know, do that for 10 years until you're 30 something. And then, you know, and then from there you can diverge again. And, 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 you know just so we're very clear I think that strategy makes sense there's nothing wrong with that and I would never encourage someone to pick either a or B I think it depends on your why it depends on your context right and you said something very interesting there you said that the partner said that your goals don't align with the firm right you know for um, if it is your ambition to you know climb um, the corporate ladder right to become a partner to become a VP or a C-level executive at a large company I think that strategy of specializing and building depth makes absolute sense there's no doubt about it like I would say anyone who tells me that is their ambitions I would say that's probably the, the framework and direction you want to start thinking about but that wasn't for me I knew I figured out that I didn't want to do that I didn't I wasn't attracted by doing the big banks as my client I never wanted to be a partner at the firm I never wanted to be a functional leader of any company it was never an interest of mine. for me it was a, I had an inkling that I was gonna do my own thing in my own little bubble and so for so as a result of that that and I guess at the time you know, looking back right now I guess that's that entrepreneurial um, pull I didn't know what that was. I just knew, like, I think in strategy, people often think about strategy as having the right plan forward. I've also learned from a mentor that strategy is also um, knowing the things you don't want to do and not doing it and having the courage to not do it. And for me, I knew that that part of the world was not what I want to do. And I knew that for a fact. And I think too often we try to figure out the, the right answer instead of identifying the things that we know for sure are wrong and cutting that out. And you know, removing the noise, and then that gives us more space and clarity to figure out what is right. So, and that builds, and that lends to my sense of curiosity, right? And, you know, removing things I don't want, and focusing on being curious, and going down the path, and exploring things I might like. So that's kind of how I approached it. I I I stayed true to my nature. I knew that, you know, um, that's not what I want to do. I want to try new things. I believe in having different skill sets. And as over the years now, as I refine that point of view, I started to think about, I am specializing, I am building depth. I'm just building depth in something that historically over the last 100 years, 150 years in the industrial revolution is not a label. It's not, I'm not specializing in an industry, I'm not specializing in a function, I'm specializing in a capability, specializing in, in the ability to quickly pick up new things, to learn new skills and to create outcomes very quickly. And that love that kind of confidence, that kind of capability is something that I've built. Like I' like I'm very confident in knowing that I can jump into something without having any previous experience about it and quickly learning and building um, the skills around it and to create outcomes. Now am I going to you know be a surgeon or do something that requires a high level of expertise? Absolutely not. But business is not rocket science. I don't think you need to you know, know one thing for 10 years to be, an, you know, to be able to do it, right? I'm not doing like cybersecurity or, you know, like, you know, very um, knowledge and expertise driven things. I'm, I'm doing more holistic things. So um, that's kind of how I see it. It's, it's a capability. It's the ability to jump in and do new things very quickly. And that's how I've started a podcast. That's kind of how I got into technology. It's kind of how I got into product management. It's kind of how I got into strategic initiatives and corporate development and partnerships. And everything I've done, it's been from that capability. Yeah,
0: and I, I think you've touched on like, some great themes there. And I think the first theme I would um, kind of point our audience to is this: the idea of, canceling out the things that you know that you don't like or even just the things that you shouldn't do to get to where you are and that's I mean, charlie Munger com- commonly refers to as the um the invert like the psychologist just constantly inverting like asking yourself if if you were to if you wanted to fail at this what should you do and so write that down and you go, okay then i should just ignore all of that and that can also prevent you from making all the basic fundamental mistakes and yeah i think when the the idea of you know realizing that yeah like i'm specializing in something that's just not traditionally defined and essentially i think if you most people who constantly focus on growing will end up learning about a lot of different industries a lot of different facets and a lot of different subjects because there's only really so much i think that you can go deep into without getting really tunneled and narrowed into it like if you want to learn something, or like, you know, learn a subject and get 80% of what the subject really stands for, you don't really need to dedicate, like, 20, 30 years of your life. So, you eventually get bored of it, you'll find another subject, and you'll slowly become very multidisciplinary and become, you know, quote-unquote, like, have, like, worldly wisdom. And that can become somewhat of like a specialty, because you can actually see these, like, interconnectedness, and you can actually come and look at problems from a very completely different perspective, and relate different mental models to it. And I think you started like i think um, implementing that in your new role into thoughtwire but before we get there i want to learn more about what was that uh inflection point like where you decided okay i think i've seen enough in consulting and you decided to transition into the world of like a tech company at what point did that occur to like how did that decision making process go yeah so i mean
1: you know to be very um, transparent and vulnerable here and something i've never really shared before is if I have to be completely honest, I think I jumped too early. I think I made a suboptimal decision at the time, and 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 there was some form of um, you know maybe regret's too strong of a word, but um I don't think I you know quote unquote saw enough of consulting before I left. I think I just wanted to try something else, and 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 it was also at that point in my life where there were a lot of changes going on, but. Um, you know, primarily on the personal front. So I I decided to you know really take a like a revamp and a like a reinvention period. And so happens that was also when I left consulting and jumped into ThoughtWire. But you know I just want to be very clear with everyone that I think you know um, now looking back, uh, I was I was just getting my momentum in consulting. I was just getting quote unquote good or um, at it right. I was just. I was just learning how to figure it out how to manage a team, how to lead a strategy project, how to create a plan, how to execute on it, how to lead you know three or four people on my team. I was just figuring that out and I jumped and in hindsight, I should have played that out for another like year or so to really stretch out and flex that muscle. I had just learned a new skill and I jumped off it, and I should have practiced it a little more. And again, these are some of the weaknesses that I've been working on in my own life, both personally and professionally. So that was kind of it. I, I, I jumped. I want to try new things. But I think what's really important, and again, you know, back to this notion of strategy from a career perspective, you're going to make the wrong choices along the way, right? But again, I knew that my, my, my capability to iterate. And again, that's something that I really built, built a lot of depth in. It's like I have a direction. Right. And I don't think, you know, whether I stayed in consulting or jumped in software. that direction would, would still hold true. That why, that that North Star still held true. You make decisions along the way and you iterate and you improve along the way. And then you maximize and you optimize the opportunities in front of you to get there. So when I jumped, I was doing a lot of software stuff. I was learning about Agile methodology and learned a lot of great skills that, especially on the Agile front, that, continue to hone and refine my point of view of the world and life and career business but i think i could have done better if i stretched out the consulting piece but i was like you know what i'm here right and this is the path i picked how can i like you know what is the next step that i can do to to course correct and I think too often we get stuck in this analysis paralysis world, especially in the career front. Like I don't know what to do. I don't know what to do. And, and we think that the next decision is the end-all decision, that this decision is going to you know, forever define who we are. And, and that's just not true, I think. Especially in today's world, you can course correct. You can iterate. I don't think most career decisions are truly crippling in that it will forever force you down a path that you can you know turn back from or change and that's kind of what i did i jumped in this world i learned about software built built tech you know managed projects delivered on projects i did that for a bit. i was like you know what i don't think this is who i am and i always kind of knew i wanted to learn the skill to bring it back to the business front and that's kind of where this whole chief of staff and strategic initiatives things started to unroll and now I'm kind of doing the best of both worlds I'm, I'm taking all the things I learned in software and agile delivery, I'm taking all the things I did in consulting and I've effectively created a new role and I mashed them all together right? so I've course corrected and this has been a 3-4 year process
0: and um, I think a big thing I want to do highlight is the that mindset of decision making I think the decision making framework that um, is commonly thought about is how do I optimize to make the right decision when I think it's more about how do I optimize to get the best options on the table? Because when you have two options and one is so obviously better, like if option A is so much better than option B, then there's nothing to have a dilemma about. But your process comes from A and B being very similar. And I think what you have to control for is, are A and B both good options? Are they both good options that I've come upon and then if that's the case and you 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 don't know, you have to pick A or you have to pick B and then yeah you have to course correct and iterate. And I think a great analogy was just you know, if if you got into Harvard and Stanford and Warren, they're all great options. It doesn't matter which one you pick, because you're not even gonna know what if and the what ifs of the other options. You pick one and then you iterate afterwards and you just make you know, you make changes, you learn and you go forward. But if the options were it's either going to university or not going to university, then you have to decide there. That's different. Um, and I think that kind of framework is not really applied as often. People tend to focus too much on making the right decision when the reality is you just can't know. If you knew, then you should just be a fortune teller, right?
1: For sure, there's a couple of things you said there, right? I think, you know, when there is a very obvious answer, then that's an obvious answer you decide. When you're faced with a dilemma it, and you know that those it's, you know, Uh, you know two or three options that you really really want to do well guess what if you want to do and you really really want to do all you know two or three options whichever one you pick it's something you really really want to do you know what i mean like i i think someone who brought up you know said to me in the past like if you are faced with a dilemma it's a good thing because that means all options are good like you can't fail (laughs) it's a fail safe right so that's one piece the second piece is like like look i'm not i think i think people should be intentional about their decision making i think they should create a framework on what success looks like figure out what the guiding principles are the criteria how to weigh it be very methodical about that framework and then decide right absolutely but i think We've placed too much emphasis on making the right decision, while that is very important, and not enough on the other side of the coin, which is building the the system and the capacity to iterate and to move and make progress afterwards. Right? We we forgot about the afterwards, which is the most important part. Whichever path you take, whether you you know, go to university or not, whether you, you know, pick this firm or that, the value comes from how you realize it and extract afterwards after the decision and we've completely forgot about that so that's why often you see people make decisions and you know in with regards to education or, or career and they you know they've started they've through this is the most optimized decision i'm gonna i'm gonna go and become a ca or a cfa whatever it is i'm not gonna knock on any particular designation you know they they make the decision based on that because a ca is the most important thing but they didn't think about how much value can they extract? How can they extract value in the three years afterwards? They haven't thought that through. And most of my friends, and this is a very limited sample size, I would say, in the in that post-decision period, that they really regretted that decision because they didn't think through the implementation of it. How exactly was it going to look? And that's something we often encounter. I think something that we need to place more emphasis on. I think that's where education um, as a concept, as a system has done, has um, not done a good job at, we've been trained to, you know, hand in an essay to, to write answers on a test and we have one shot and you have one chance to get the grade and that's it. That's not how life works. That's not how business works. That's not how career works. You don't have one shot. I mean, most often not like, yeah, there's big opportunities, but opportunities keep coming and we can't be limited in making that one decision thinking that is end all be all because I think, we, we a over our careers will make the wrong decisions and b we don't think enough about how to how to get the value out of it afterwards which is the most important
0: part yeah and so we, we talked about how you alluded to how when you moved thought why you felt that you might have been to jump a little too early but at that point um, when you were in the position of choosing to make the jump or not what were your options then at that point what kind of system did you have in place to actually look at The decision-making framework that you had then
1: when i uh, jumped and joined thoughtwire yeah i think at the time it was to stay at pwc Mm. Um, there was another there was another opportunity which was a client of mine that i was going to go work for in a similar capacity i was going to work with the ceo on just business related stuff on how to grow the company and whatnot or i jump into thoughtwire a growing company get involved in how to how to build tech and deliver tech but also get involved in other things And my framework was really, okay, you know, thinking about my end goal of wanting to build and start my own thing, right? So that's always been on the mind. Yeah, yeah, that's always been on the back of my mind. I knew that I was going to be in the areas of, well, not in the areas, but be somehow involved in technology. And now, I mean, in hindsight, when I look back, almost everything's involved in technology. So that's not a strong uh, criteria. But again, I think it's kind of like, in hindsight, I would have done it differently. But at the time, you just need to pick a framework. You need to put it down on paper and execute and not get caught up in this because I, I could think about this for days, weeks, and months, right? So it was really, okay, so what is that end goal? And I had that in mind. It was like, okay, so now it's like, what skills, what capabilities do I want to learn right now in my life that helps me get me there? And the obvious answer was I needed to learn about technology. I needed to learn about product. I needed to learn how to manage the process of building a product, how to build technology, how to deploy it, how to get people to use it to create outcomes. That was the biggest criteria, and, and that's what led me down Thoughtwire because the opportunity the other startup I was going to join was more focused on the business side of things, on the commercial side. And I didn't value enough at the time on – you know can i get more out of consulting and further refine and run with the, the new uh, plateau and level that i just achieved can i run that further i didn't value that at the time it was just it, it, i kept it simple it was the why and then what specific skills and capabilities and experiences and thought where i ticked all the boxes for that one so that was the uh, the obvious decision for me mm.
0: and and then you went to your thought where as a delivery consultant but you've been very entrepreneurial you've been very intentional in actually crafting the role that you wanted this dream all of yourself which is currently the director of strategic initiatives so you went from delivery consultant to chief of staff to director of strategic initiatives and how did that come about actually because people i think the common belief is that yeah if you want to try a lot of different things and see a lot about just how a company in general runs, like what you know the marketing sales or what what have you going to a startup you'll get to touch a lot of different things but at the same time usually when startups hire they want someone for a very specific role because they have a very specific need because they need to survive the next day and the next day the day after that and only after they've done you've done that then you can have the wherewithal to say okay now what i want to try now how to evolve but i don't think it just kind of happens so what was your uh, journey like in actually crafting that role for yourself you're absolutely right it doesn't just happen right i mean you know um, you know, companies that are trying
1: to grow in scale will hire for a specific skill that's you know what you described and you know it's funny as I look back now at the time um, I didn't even have the skills to be a delivery consultant No, like in hindsight I have never worked in agile before I had no idea what software delivery life cycle is I had no idea what servers are or or like user interface I knew nothing I think the extent of what I learned was Right before I took the job, I did like a like a software bootcamp, and I did some code academy. So I figured out what a class was, and what a variable was. <laughs> like that was the extent of my knowledge to, of technology. I didn't know what a firewall was, right? Other than that, that thing you see on your computer every once in a while, right? So I, like I'm not even gonna sugarcoat it. I didn't know much, but my value prop again, and something that I've always been very good at, and that in consulting helped me refine, is storytelling. And, ha- and knowing my narrative and my narrative and my pitch was I may not know all these things but I have the capability and the capacity to pick up new skills and learn and create outcomes very quickly and that is my promise to you and that is the promise of of my like of myself the Raphael Wong promise is that I will learn and pick things up quickly and get you get your results very quickly so that's kind of how I started on the delivery consultant path Probably did that for about 18 months, um, again, to meet the needs of the company. And then over time, I always did different things. And at the company, um, the CFO was also like a friend and mentor of mine. And he knew I came from consulting. He knew I wanted to do different things. He knew the end game I kind of wanted to get to. So he, he gave me extra, you know, quote unquote, homework. And I was always someone who raised my hand and did more, right? I, and And this is something that I think everyone should... Um, practice more. I think this is something that's undervalued. It's raise your hand and do more things. You know, when I was in school, I did extracurriculars. When I was at PwC, I did other things beyond just my job. I, I did thought leadership. I created a global retail report. I helped with recruiting. I helped with practice development. I helped create frameworks and methodologies and stuff. I've always wanted to do more and take initiative. And I think that's what helped. So uh, at the time, um, our CEO, Mike Monteith, he, he's, he's really... Um, involved and active in the Canadian ecosystem, um, a Canadian uh, innovation ecosystem. And at the time, the government had just released these uh, supercluster bids. So I worked with Mike to create the strategy for a healthcare supercluster, and we amassed a massive, like, Um, opportunity a lot of different stakeholders a business model strategy and everything and i did that with him as part of on top of my delivery consulting role so now i I have like a 1.5 kind of full-time role here i did that for a bit and then through that we worked really well together he saw the value that i brought from my strategy consulting days on top of understanding how technology works stacked that up to help him do a lot of these Um, Market development, economic development, um, commercial growth stuff. So after doing that, they offered me a role to work exclusively with Mike on helping him grow and scale the company. At the time, we were uh, preparing for a Series A. We were preparing for a lot of things on really taking the company to the next level from this platform-led go-to-market to to application-led. We are a product company that's a fundamental business transformation with a lot of things going on so that's what i've been helping him with since in in that first year i was i was effective i I led growth initiatives and chief of staff which was just a generic role that i gave myself which was basically i just did whatever mike needed me to help him do everything from helping give demos to the vcs to corporate development to partnerships to business development to some sales and marketing before we had sales and marketing teams some pr stuff before we had a pr team to doing some HR stuff and organizational design stuff see as you can see it's like i did everything and this is something i genuinely love I got my hands in everything and then did that for a bit and then we want to focus you know uh, um, you know focus a little more i was kind of like you know what there's certain things i didn't want to do anymore and i became aware of that and there are certain things i wanted to double down on which is really you know we live you know mike and i work in a unique area of the company where i'm really fortunate that we work in the future you know, I'm 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 less um, I'm less involved nowadays into the day to day operations. Although I still play a heavy role in helping us build up our partnership and business development capabilities. So that's the extent of my hand in the current operations. But my other hand is really dipped into, you know, what is the future of the company? You know, where is the we going? What is our messaging? What is our narrative? What are other areas that we can unlock to create? new opportunities to open our market our adjustable market for ourselves as a company and create a bigger pie so that everyone wins including ThoughtWire and that's the unique world I live in right now which is you know um, extremely fulfilling and all of this ties into learning how Mike thinks learning how Mike thinks about growing and scaling a company in a responsible and sustainable manner all of which would give me the skills and the experience to do it
0: myself one day. Got it. And can you can you share like one example of a kind of future booking strategic project that you would be working on, like actually doing, or is that too confidential?
1: Um, I would, I would. So you know, without giving too much details, yeah. you know, is involved in the built environment and a unique point of view that we have is that you know there's a lot of conversations right now in the world around smart cities and what does that look like. And our unique point of view is that you Know, 80s uh, North Americans spend 87% of their time indoors, right? Yet, most smart city initiatives are, you know, traffic related or parking related, or, you know, putting phone chargers in parking benches and, you know, putting lights in, you know, um, public spaces. And all of that's important from a safety and sustainability and whatnot perspective. But what about what happens inside these buildings what happens inside these built environments and how do we interface the inside and outside worlds together so that's really something we're thinking about is how can our point of view into built environments you know right now in hospitals long-term care homes and commercial buildings how does that point of view you know plug in um, into the larger smart city fabric that's something i'm constantly thinking about right now
0: got it and well while you're doing this, while you're building out, you know, you gain the trust of the CEO, you put your hand out, create this position for yourself, create this opportunity for yourself. Uh, you also, you know, have been solely dabbling into now branching out in your own entrepreneurial roots. So, uh, when he connected us, he also mentioned that, oh yeah, Raffles has a podcast called The Canvas Series. And so you guys would jab over that. And so, you know, you've, you've been in the podcast game longer than I have. I think you started back in like, 2017. And, how, how did that come about the like you know tell the audience well you know what canvas series started out as and why and how has it kind of grown to uh, what it is right now
1: yeah so starting at the time i had um it was just at the top of um 2017 yeah god time flies and i had just did an exercise where i reached out to some colleagues friends and mentors and family with couple questions I don't remember exactly what they are but I can share it with folks afterwards if they're interested I just ask people for feedback you know like from a career perspective we ask our you know we have 360 degree feedbacks we have mentors and coaches and whatnot in a work context we always ask for feedback we get customer feedback but how often do you get feedback on your life how often do you get feedback on who you are as Daniel Lee you know and and I don't think people do that enough and as a result we're not self-aware of who we are how we behave what excites us what are the things that get us going so that's precisely what I did and some of the key insights of being the analytical person I did I, I, I dug into the information I pulled up the key themes and takeaways and it was really people enjoyed having these conversations with me around you know strategy around both personal and professional development around how to create systems at the time we didn't call it systems but how do you create a capability to do things and make decisions and whatnot so that's really what started the canvas Series podcast it was if people enjoy having these conversations with me why don't i share this with the world it's very low cost to distribute it right i mean like you put it on some podcast which on a distribution platform you get some mics so it's low cost to add value for others for doing something I already genuinely enjoy doing. I think that's a key word. It's like if you're going to pick up other projects and priorities in your life or even your career, it's like you should genuinely enjoy it. Are there parts of it I don't enjoy? Of course. I think that'd be foolish to say that I'm constantly smiling and happy in 24 hours of my day. I I think that's a misnomer that people try to sell sell folks, um, which I think is false. Like I personally hate editing the podcast gosh do I hate that like it's so monotonous and just it drives me insane working with these little uh yeah and you know so so I started there um it was something I genuinely enjoyed I accepted the things I didn't enjoy and I, and I pushed along again back to the whole idea of I made a decision I, I'm going to execute it. I'm going to develop a new skill in a new area I didn't know much about. I raised my hand to myself. I took initiative, and I did something I enjoyed. So that's where the canvas here started. And and, and I called it the canvas here because there's this idea that, you know, um, I use a canvas as a metaphor for life in that, too often in the uh, personal development or, you know, business book world, people prescribe these rules, these like you got to do these five or 10 things to be successful. And I think that's false. And I think that when it comes to how you design your life, both you know personally or professionally or whatever it is, it's up to you. So it was my job through the canvas series to give you the paintbrushes and the colors, which is really to give you the tools and insights for you to design your own life. I am never going to tell someone, like, you got to do A, B, or C. And even in this conversation, I I keep saying, like, if that's, you know, if you want to climb the corporate ladder, that's something you should think about. If you want to do this, it's something you should think about. Everyone's got their own way of doing things. What I want to do is give people the insights and tools to make their decision and to execute on it and to extract value from it. That's always been the founding principle of the Canvas series. So that's... So started that in 2017 and that's evolved to where it is right now where the canvas here is still a podcast um, It's part of a larger umbrella of what I call my technique which is a, a company that that provides media and technology to help busy people create results. And our unique point of view is this use of systems and how to be systematic about doing that on how do you act intentionally, how do you stay organized, how do you create results in the areas of your your life that matter. And so that's really where the canvas here is now, and that's how it's going to unfold into a much larger play.
0: And and this much larger play, the my technique, how how was that um, determined? How did that come about? What steps were involved in deciding, okay... We're going to make this bigger umbrella now, and we're going to make this product that's going to help people.
1: Yeah, I think all along, I knew that this was going to be a bigger thing. I think the founding um, catalyst was around sharing conversations I already enjoyed. I did that for a bit, and I was kind of like, oh, like there's something that we can do here that was unique, that was different, that was different from what other... Um, I would say quote-unquote thought leaders in the space were doing whether it's podcasting or books or videos or whatnot or even just tooling everyone's so focused on this rigid like here are one two three things for your solution and I think that makes sense don't get me wrong I think having very specific prescribed solutions makes sense because as consumers we want to buy certainty we want to buy if I got a b and c it's going to help me get d so my point of view is really okay that's what people want how can I give people tools to get the D but to get that final um, outcome that predictable outcome without prescribing them a B and C so um, I'd say in the first year I just did podcast the, uh, the first 18 months I just did podcasts I am that's kind of you know what I did with the idea that this was gonna get into something bigger But I didn't know what that was. And I think that's okay. I think too often we try to have it all figured out. We try to have the revenue model figured out and the business model figured out and the the distribution channels and everything. And I think it's good to think through those things. But in the beginning, it was in the first 18 months, it was really around, how can I add value? What do people genuinely like and don't like about the show? How are we different? How are we doing something that others are not doing? And that's literally all I focused on in the first 18 months, constantly getting feedback from people on social media, um, in person, um, at different events and whatnot. And some of the things I learned was that people liked um, how relatable the show was. People liked that we talked about what things people specifically did but we also unpacked their thought process and we gave people like you know what you don't have to do it like how Raph does it you don't have to do it like how Hamza does it you don't have to do it how Sam or Mary does it right this is their thought process how can you do it how can you manage burnout in a way that works for you how can you apply small consistent actions in a way that works for you how can you storytell in a way that works for you and and then over time I started to realize like that like that's it that's it this this principle that these principles of success are universal you have to set goals you have to focus um you know like there's certain set of things you know you have to be intentional you should be self-aware you should add value you should be empathetic um you can watch a couple videos or you know read a couple books and you can kind of figure out what those success principles are right so i often say that these principles of, of success are universal but how they're applied is personal And that's really where the shift came in, which is really around last summer when I thought about how do I translate these universal success principles, use media and technology to help people make it work for themselves, to help people make it personal. And that's where this whole My Technique story has been evolving over the last, I'd say, nine months. And the word Technique, I I came across it randomly on a podcast, which is uh, an ancient Greek word about The skill or art of making or doing, it's practical knowledge. It's for the everyday person. Uh, I I think at the time in Greece, there was theoretical knowledge. So the people who debated and talked about philosophy and higher order kind of thinking. And then there was the everyday person, the craftsmen, the, the people in medicine, the people in art or food and agriculture, whatever it is. And they had this practical knowledge that worked for them. It was context dependent. It was about creating outcome and value. And I'm like, That's literally my point of view. It it captured it all perfectly. I want to give people tools that they can apply in their own context and their own situation to create something meaningful, a, a, a unit of outcome that is valuable for them. And that's where my technique came from. And that's where everything we're all focused on. Like The canvas here now is really focused on busy people and how they're creating systems in their life and their unique situation to create the outcomes that matter for them. And what are these systems? And like how do we enable people to do that is the uh, problem we're tackling now.
0: Got it. And so my technique right now, is it... um have you started actually monetizing like generating revenue and products out or is it still kind of more in the incubation, like constantly testing and trying to refine the product?
1: Yeah, we're still in the incubation stage. You know, right now for, um, you know, my goals is to really stabilize the content engine piece, right? Because we're creating content both in terms of like social media content, um, the monthly podcast. We've also launched a weekly podcast, which digs into the theories behind these systems, Um We're going to launch a blog series soon. And the content engine uh, isn't just for um, content. It's, uh, I mean, of, of course, it's there to, you know, like to educate people, to add value, to create a brand for ourselves. But I would say the actual fundamental reason why I'm doing all this is to gather requirements and feedback. When I interview my guests, and I hope to have you on the show one day as well, is I want to understand how do you create your systems as a guest, and I want to start identifying those configuration points. And then when I launch the podcast, I get feedback from people in person through social media. Oh, what's working for you? How do you you design your system? How is yours different from Daniel? So on and so forth. All of this is amassing into a giant R&D exercise, a giant list of requirements and design principles that... I'm going to start prioritizing and sorting through, and that's going to make the version 1.0 of the product, which we plan on launching later this year. We plan on getting a beta for an MVP on the later half of 2019, and I want to start, you know, turning these insights into a real product to help people do that.
0: Got it. Yeah, and honestly, like I'd, I'd love to come on, uh, yeah, the Canvas series in the future and, you know, talk, talk to you for like an hour about systems. That definitely yeah, is going to sure. be. A, it's going to be a fun time. Uh, And for someone who's, you know, so focused on being self-aware like yourself, what have you identified as being the kind of flow state activity for you? Like the activities that you know you're just going to be just, you know, engaged in, you just forget to eat, sleep, just go to the bathroom, like that thing's your thing.
1: I would say most things relating to um, the canvas series and now my technique. Yeah, it's um, just, again, it's just your baby. Yeah, it's just my baby. It's what I love. And like you know, just back to that point earlier, there are things I don't like. Obviously, right? I think you know there are things I don't want to deal with. Like I don't want to file tax returns. I don't want to build an accounting system. I don't want to edit the content. Like there are certain things I genuinely don't want to do. But I think holistically, knowing why I do what I do, knowing how this fits into the bigger play, knowing how this is a reflection of me, right? Like when I first started the canvas, here's now my technique. All of this, I would say is the purest reflection of who I am and my point of view. On how people sh- can create value both personally and professionally, I genuinely do believe that these principles of success are universal. But how they apply is personal. It's literally how I've approached life, you know. And just you know, going back to the, the beginning of this conversation around the need to specialize or breadth or whatever it is, those those concepts are universal. But how I applied it is is how my story unfolded. And I stuck to my gut. I stuck to how, you know what works for me. I stuck to my contacts. I took advice from my mentors. Don't get me wrong. I, I heard them loud and clear to specialize. I'm just specializing in something that's non-traditional, non-conventional. I'm specializing in what I believe is right. So I think that mix of you know, taking advice, but making it work for you is truly what I believe in. And that's what Drives me through these things. And that's what also, you know, like when I get in the flow and like I'm editing a podcast, for example, you know, before I hired Alex, I would get just like absolutely like enamored in it. You know, when I'm doing research, when I'm editing the podcast, when I'm creating content, when I'm thinking through insights and whatnot, I just get so into it. And I also do other things that help me get into a state of flow, right? I used to, I mean, in the winter, not so much right now, but you know, I'll go for a run. Like, I'll go for a light jog, I'll get my juices going, get fired up, I come back and I bang out three hours of work at night. And, and like I think through different things about, you know, what are the triggers of flow and how do I use that at the right time to get me into a flow state. And, you know, Stephen Kotler, you know, talks a lot about this in the Flow Genome Project about what are those 20 triggers? Again, everyone's got triggers that work for them. You need to find what works for you. And it's a really iterative and experimentational process and that is what I built a capability around and I've gone deep on. I'm very self-aware and I'm very intentional and systematic and intelligent about the experiments I create in my life to learn new things and to adapt new skills and to create outcomes. And that's something that I've completely obsessed with over the last three or four years and how to apply psychology and neuroscience and business and design thinking principles
0: all into this love it yeah i love i love all of that uh huge fan of uh, Stephen steven work as well and yeah i think it's something that you know i hope that as listeners listen to this day start kind of you know, i say it constantly but you know repetition is the way to get into your mind and so i hope maybe this is the one that triggers some other people to focus on uh their own journey of self-awareness and so as we kind of wrap up to the ending legs of the podcast i wanted to ask you with that kind of north star and the why that you have alluded to uh, in in the back of your mind, or maybe that's not now it's like fully all over your mind. What, where do you see yourself, or what do you, what activities do you see yourself doing, like ten years out? Uh, what kind of vision do you have, and how does it all look? Yeah, so
1: I think you know before I outline what that vision looks like, it's probably worth a disclaimer that. It's one thing to have a direction. It's one thing to constantly have the right system in place to constantly reflect and check in, like, is this the right direction? Is this the right vision? Am I doing the right thing? So I think part vision, part systems, and having the systems in play and the follow through for the next 10 years is just as important as defining what that vision is. So I think I encourage everyone to think about it as well and not just get caught up on you know visualizing what that looks like but really think about what are the systems that will help you get you there over the next 10 years in in a sustainable fashion but um to back to your question about you know what are the key activities do I see myself doing I see myself managing this thing full-time I see myself you know managing the content front like I imagine a team around me you know right now I have, I have two people on the team I imagine this is going to grow to about Um, you know 15 20 whatever amount of people i need we're going to continue to create content in this space we're going to continue to create technology the key product in this space and continue to establish ourselves as the thought leader and effectively what i want to do is create this and and define the standard of what is a productivity and life system And how can these systems, these combination of process, tool, and people, environment, help people organize their life, how people navigate all the different priorities in their life, which is really where the world's going, right? This work-life balance mentality is disappearing. So how do you manage all these different priorities? And I see my day-to-day really being an operator, really setting the direction of where the team's going and operating it, holding people accountable, I'm a I see you know, I'm my leadership style is generally pretty flat hierarchy in the sense like I like getting into the like the weeds and and, like you know, rolling up my sleeves and getting things done. Again not necessarily things i want to do but knowing that if i roll up my sleeves and get the things done it moves us closer towards that vision i'm all in so if it means i have to you know do some customer support if it means i gotta create content it doesn't matter what level its it doesn't matter if this is my company or not i will do what it takes to move us forward and whatever activity that entails at the time i will do it i say. i
0: think got it and if the 20 year old um raf you were to see that raf right now what uh what advice would you like to have had at that 20 year old stage you know you were probably like third year in ut you decided you're gonna leave audit not, yeah. and not do it what advice do you kind of wish that you had gotten at that stage
1: uh so if i had to uh, there's so many but if i had to pick one years, it would be to the sooner i can be uh, self-practice self-awareness and be intentional about that the better it is you know I think I always had some sense of self-awareness and intention but it was always unconscious so so not necessarily intention but like I was always unconscious about oh I knew I didn't want to do this I kind of knew what I you know like what I want to do and stuff but I think the more I can practice that sooner the more I develop I think the confidence to act on that um, I think the easier things would have been, I think I would have enjoyed it more, right? Like w- while I got certain feedback to not leave audit, while I got certain feedback to specialize and I still followed my gut, it wasn't easy, you know? And I, I and I think that's something that's often not talked about. It's like, oh, you know, it sounds like I did all these courageous things and I and I went against the masses and I said, no, like, you know, a few audits, not for me. Um, that wasn't easy at all. That, 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 um, that was not easy, and I think having more confidence in that decision would have made life and that journey more enjoyable because it was not easy, and I think that's something that people need to you know, come to terms with, and I think having more self-awareness and developing confidence and courage around that would have definitely helped at the time.
0: Yeah, I think that that's, uh, that's a great one. Um, it is not easy, and I can empathize with you because I've gone through it, but I think if you haven't gone through it, it's hard to... Empathize because yeah you just don't have that kind of perspective but yeah I think that kind of confidence is extremely valuable to have whenever you make that kind of decision and so the last question is you know you and I we both read a lot we love reading what book do you gift the most and I know for different people you might give different books but just from your mental memory which book have you ended up giving the most.
1: I think one book that I always recommend people to read is Sapiens. I I don't know exactly why. It it doesn't necessarily benefit from a business or personal development perspective. But knowing, I I think, the history, and this is a very high level, obviously, um, version of humanity's history, right? Like you can go into this for decades if you really want to. But knowing the history of our species, Knowing how we got here, knowing what helped us survive and become what we are today, I think helps us a appreciate what being human is. Be appreciate what you know, like appreciate how we you know become what we are, and then how can we leverage that into the future? You know, we started off as a very average, normal species on this planet. How did we become? Um, you know, like at the top of the food chain how have we built all these things how have we gone to space how have we built all these high rise towers it's something that you know like like it should provoke a question of why and how and then understanding that and knowing that how can you tap into that and you know it's a quick um insert from the book the imagined order like what is that and how do you leverage imagination in your life to create outcomes so significant as what our species have done i think that's something that everyone should really think about
0: nice yeah great suggestion and where can our listeners learn more about what you are doing where can they go
1: so i think on linkedin they can find me at Raphael wong um, and I would say on social media they can find me at mytechni.io and that's also our website www.mytechnic.io they can learn about the podcast the content the technology we're building the mission of the company I invite everyone to participate in this conversation I think in our generation in particular how how we even we're growing up in a society where there's so many priorities and noise and things going on how can we collectively work together to, to share knowledge and insight so everyone does things that work for them and we you know and we create outcome together and i think that's going to make the world a better place
0: excellent yeah and i love that message as well and thanks so much for coming on the podcast and sharing your story with uh, myself and my listeners ref appreciate Thank it me. yeah have a good one so thanks for listening to the podcast if you enjoyed what you heard, please check out other episodes and don't forget to subscribe to stay up to date for the future episodes. Also, I would really appreciate it if you would leave a review on iTunes, Google Play, or Stitcher, whichever is applicable to you. To see past episodes, you can go to oldmandan.com podcasts. Also, you can sign up to my weekly newsletter on my blog, oldmandan.com newsletter. You can stay up to date with future podcast episodes that way, and included in the newsletter are my book reviews I write, my weekly article in the related to the domain of self-development systems, as well as seven things I learned throughout the week on being healthy, wealthy, and wise. Finally, special thanks to icons8.com for allowing me to use your music, Tiny People, on the podcast. Great. I will see you all next time. Take care.